So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be discussing the season three premiere of Love During Lockup. On this episode, we're introduced to Andy, a former policeman, and his prison pen pal girlfriend, Brittany, social media influencer Jade and her money bags convict husband, Chris, boss babe Letitia and her soon-to-be boss man husband, Keith, newly released Brittany and her prison boo, Karak, and boss babe slash rapper Renika and her prisoner uh, boyfriend, Asante. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating. And if you watch 90 Day Fiance, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going with you? Good. So it's been a while uh, because we've had a couple months off of this podcast channel because Love After Lockup was on hiatus for once. For once, I know we had like an actual time when the shows weren't on, which is. Yeah. So I, I feel like I appreciate the shows better when it's not a co- constant thing. I'm like, oh, the show's back. Hey, like. Yeah. And people? I appreciate like, the fact that this show is only an hour again. So. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. It's so much yeah. better. It is so much better. It cuts down all it's the just, crap and B-roll, you know, and it's just like the yeah. good stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of B-roll. There's a lot of they, – they can make the conversations shorter and snippier. And it's like – and so I feel like when I'm getting to this one and it's over, I'm like, oh, it's over. Okay. Yeah. Like, I get to the next time on and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm excited for right, next time. Right. Whereas and sometimes kind of when it was an hour and a half – when it's an hour and a half, two hours, sometimes it's like, how much more is left than this? Like, right. Can I watch and it at one and a half And then also you're kind of like not a whole lot happened. Yeah, because that was the thing is sometimes we cover shows that are two hours long and we're like, we talk about them for 45 minutes and it's like, that was it. Like, that was everybody. Like, I didn't really do anything. Um, But this time we got to meet some people. So, you know, we have a lot of, lot of things going on. So let's start with, um, uh, let's start with Brittany and Key Rock. So we have multiple Brittany's again. There are so many Brittany's in this show. Um, So (laughs) we're in... We start, we're in Richmond, Virginia, which is a place I've been to, I've driven through many times. So I was like, oh yeah, I know those roads, sure. Mm-hmm. To meet Brittany, who is 22, talking to her fiance, Kirok, who is also 22. So they met while they were both in prison and they didn't really expect to find love in prison. So Brittany's in beauty school now and is no stranger to hair and makeup because she kind of got her start doing hair and makeup in prison. So she was in a maximum security prison because she was locked up for armed robbery when she was 18. So she tells us that she wants to change and her hair instructor praises her for that. And then Brittany credits her, you know, desire to get better entirely to Key Rock. So he's in jail for gun charges and they both and they both kind of alternate telling us about their prison meet cute. So they were in the same facility and they came across each other when they were like in the medical bay. So and it was like, oh, I saw this tall, dark guy and he's like, I saw this good looking girl. And uh, but now the reason they were in the same facility is because Key Rock is a trans man. And he tells us that he came out when he was 16, but his anti-gay father like refused to accept that or get him treatment or anything. So he began his transition once he was in prison, which is, well, and it's the first time Brittany had dated a trans man and she seems to have no problem at all with it, especially since, you know, they were locked up together. So they got some private time alone in prison. So he is taking tea and, uh, but the state of Virginia still wants, has him at a women's facility, you know, I don't know if they have 
policies about how much long you have to be transitioning or if you have to be in a, like associated with your, with your uh, gender from birth or, or what. But then the teacher notices, um, then we go back to the hair salon and the teacher notices that she's wearing her engagement slash promise ring with a $4,000 diamond on it. And she's like, what's up with that? <laughs> so she says that, you know, he is an investor. Kirok is an investor. He has finances, but mostly seems to be an, invest, an investor with sugar mamas that he's scamming. So <laughs> the instructor's like, are you not bothered by that? And she's like, nah, money is good. I like money. He can get money however he wants. <laughs> so the other concern, of course, is whether or not um, all of his all of Kirok's talk is just prison talk because he's still locked up. And the teacher, uh, as a teacher puts it, the person you marry isn't the person is never the person that you divorce. Um, so I guess we have a little bit. Do you think, given that Brittany is, you know, so okay with him scamming people that she's really <laughs> committed as committed to getting better as she says she is? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, probably not. Um, you know, it, she seems like the kind of person that it's like. It's okay if your victims are kind of like these faceless entities or people that deserve it, right? I could see her being like pro Robin Hood, you know, mm -hmm. steal from the rich, give to the poor kind of type. So, well, um, I mean, I think she's more like steal from the rich, give to me. Yes, kind of right. Type, well, she yes. would consider herself <laughs> poor, so you know. Uh, so I don't know. If she really cares that much. I think that she probably doesn't want to go to prison again. And so mm -hmm. anything that will keep her out of prison. But I think trying to stay out of prison is really the real reason she's not on the straight and narrow, not because she's changed, man. You know, I don't. Yeah. Not because she found some sort of moral moral center. Right. Because I feel like because she said when she went to prison, it's like, well, why did you do the armed robbery? And she was just like, because I wanted that paper. Like, yeah, I, feel, I, know, right? I still feel like I still feel like she's like, let's get that paper, man. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And I. And I don't know. I think she's going to run into that trouble where, you know, she, you know, your, your hairdresser beautician business isn't going to bring in the paper as much as she wants it to. Right. Right. So we'll see um, if like how long this lifestyle will suit her because she's just getting started. Right. So it's easy right now at this point to say like, OK, well, things are going to be different in the future. I'm going to be making more money because, yes, making more money than nothing. That's definitely in your future once you get your license and your you got clients and stuff like that. But then when you start making money, are you going to then realize, whoa, this isn't the amount of money I was going to be making? I thought I was going to be making. Right, right, exactly. I mean, I think we got that. I I think there's a lot of open questions here, like that are kind of fit in 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 terms of everything else about when he when he gets out. Like, it's is he is he a prison talk person? Because we've seen so much prison talk in this show, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and like the other stuff that kind of gets me is she's like, well, I'm fine. You know, I know I'm okay being with a trans man because we were together in prison and we were intimate right. in prison. Right. Yeah. But we also have a whole bunch of people that thought they were okay with gay relationships because they did it in prison. And that didn't turn out. You oh, know? right. You're thinking like, Amber and puppy gay for the stay yeah, is what they always gay say. For the stay thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is things like that, that it's like, eh, I, I wonder how much things do change. When it becomes a both of you are out and terms of instead of both of you are in, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to assume uh, he's completely transitioned. And so I would think that he'd be super popular there. 
I don't know. I I I, I was getting the impression that there's been like he's on testosterone, oh, okay. but not. But there's been because he said that he didn't. Um, he couldn't do anything um, prior to going to prison because his dad wouldn't pay for it. Oh, like, okay. His dad was like, no, absolutely not. You're not getting treatment. Because I was going to say, and if you're so, the only dick on the block, I'm sure you're no. super popular. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I, I, I think I, – I think I don't think there's been any surgeries. I think it's just um, oh. hormones. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to uh, Andy. And really, we were just kind of introduced to their – situation. There wasn't really a whole lot going on with them. So Andy, Mm -hmm. 44, is a former police officer. He was a police officer for 13 years, and he's from Tifton, Georgia. He's grabbing some donuts. Ironic, I'm sure, production. Seriously. Set that up, I know. Uh, With his his friend JR, who is currently an officer. JR points out that they're not supposed to date inmates. And Andy, uh, he said he got into the transportation industry after retiring as an officer. So... He can do what he wants. He joined a pen pal site because he says he was curious, but then also he admits that he was lonely. And that's where he met Brittany, who is in prison for drugs. He thinks she's so cute, and they were surprised to see that they actually had a real connection when they met in real life. JR is suspicious of uh, Brittany taking five dollars to $6,000 from Andy because, you know, they've seen this all go down before as officers. JR is also worried about her previous drug issues. Andy appreciates that JR is looking out for him. It ends up that Andy was married to a drug addict previously, and she seemed to move into a crack house. And then Andy had to take full custody of their three children he had with her, which is why he had to quit the police force, because he couldn't work night shifts anymore. JR is curious enough about Brittany, slash concerned enough, where he runs a background check on her. Uh, The things they found out is it ends up that she lived with 25 different people and seven guys. And considering she's still in her early 20s, they were kind of concerned about that. That's a red flag. Uh, Andy's curiosity is certainly up, but he also says that he didn't know her in her active addiction. So her past doesn't actually matter to him. So you know, I'm sure uh, Jr. could have pulled up anything on our background check and Andy probably would have excused it. Uh, later in their short commercial segment, uh, we get Barry, uh, Andy's 17-year-old son, asking his dad if maybe he has a fetish for prisoners and that's why he was on a pen pal site. And then Andy makes a lot of dad jokes slash borderline inappropriate puns about laws of attraction and, you know, him being an enforcer of the law and who's going to rob who. So and that was pretty much their segment. So uh, I don't know how, uh, you know, most of the time we get moms on here that are legitimately concerned about their children when their prisoner partner comes home. I don't know if Andy has the same consideration. I mean, Barry is 17, so maybe his children are, you know, closer to maturity where he doesn't have to worry about them so much. But what's your take on Andy as the dad being responsible here? Yeah, given like your daughters would be around the same age. Yeah, no. So like my kids are a little bit older. I'm not sure whether I would be more comfortable or more worried around somebody like this around my small children or around my teenagers actually because mm. I like don't really want them telling stories to my teenagers about yeah. all the stuff that they, about the 25 different people that they've lived with like right. and things like that like 
that, that, I definitely don't want my teenagers in, 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 kind of introduced into that life. So yeah, that's a lot. The 25 people was, was something because I was trying to calculate what's a lot. I mean, what's, what's a normal number of people to have lived with as, you know, somebody who's single and this in their things now, by the time you're her age and you're like, what was Brittany like in her early twenties, right? Well, I was just trying to count in my head how many roommates that I've had. And right. I've got probably a good 15 years on Brittany. Yeah. Um, but I think 10 or 11. Yeah. I, I was trying to think. I've been, I was, you know, married young, so I never had the roommate thing. Um, and then, but so I was thinking about my, my partner and I was like, well, she's had, you know, one, two, three, probably about that. And like two guys maybe i think two or three guys that she's yeah. lived with and not like 22 people and seven guys yeah like well i think also the other thing is is when i think about like i lived with when i was in college or right after college i should say i had like three roommates at one time right you yeah. know yeah. and there's a couple of situations where i had like two roommates at one time so it's like yeah, I, you know, how many different residences did I live with people? Like maybe four? Right, right. Well, it's also, I wonder, I mean, this isn't a college situation, but if you looked up somebody who had, what if you had, because we had like an off-campus house, right? Yeah. What the off-campus house where like eight guys lived? Like, you know, like, what if you live, what if you lived in the frat house? It would se separate out by units, I would think, just like you would like an apartment. Oh. So no, no, it's a little bit different in, in where near my college, like there were no, they weren't separated out by units. Like you rented it, like one person rented it and there were seven bedrooms and they oh. didn't do it separately. Like, and it wasn't like strangers. It was like, you had to come with seven guys to the landlord and be like, Hey, we, these are the seven guys that are living here. Yeah. And like, I'm sure all that background check stuff would pull up who lived at that exact address during the same period. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was thinking, oh, if it's broken up by units. But yes, you would probably say that you maybe you also had 25 roommates. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 it could. But I mean, because my thing is like, oh, yeah, I understand there's a drug house. People are in and out. People live yeah. there. But it's like those people don't register their address yeah. <laughs> like when they are crashing somewhere for a couple months. Right. So it was right. like. Very, very, um, ve that seemed to me was a, was a very concerning statistic, but I mean, it is, if you're going to be like, well, yeah, she was an addict living an addict life. So, right. But even then addicts, I feel like, like if they're living the addict life, like, do you really think like everybody's on the lease at a crack house? No. Right. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Like why? That was what I was confused about. I was like, is it surprised me that there were 20, more than 22 people in and out of this right. you know, meth house that they lived in? Absolutely not. No. Is it surprised me that they put their names on the lease right. and were coming up in a background report? Yeah. That's the part that's a little like, that's the part that is confusing to me. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, we, yeah, we didn't get much else besides a bunch of, you know, cop stereotype stuff. But. Yeah, I think with this episode, because we're introducing these couples, there's not necessarily a lot of action. It's really sure. a lot of here are our stats. Here's how we met. Like, this is right. like the state well, of our current relationship. And that's what bothered me a little bit about this one. Like, we have the last one is they, they were very much like kind of skipping over like, Oh, well, you know, we met when I was, you know, we just met when we were doing a pen pal thing. It's like, so let's back up. And how did you get into the pen pal thing? 
Like, right. let's, let, you brushed right over that one. We left, we met on social media. It's like, how though? Like, <laughs> like I, need, I need more details than that because there was some, there were some sketchy things probably going on. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about um, another one we didn't see too much of, and that's Renika and Asante. So we start in Louisville, Kentucky, where we meet Renika, who is 33, and she's stopping by a salon. So she's delivering some eyelashes for her eyelash vending machine that she has in the place. She tells us that she owns five of these machines, and each machine brings in about $20,000 a year. So she has plenty of money to fund, you know, her family with her two daughters and also her rap career, which then cues to her on a very twerky music video. <laughs> so the owner of the salon starts up a conversation about her relationship with Asante, who is 32, and he's locked up in Georgia. So they both talk about how they fell in love after they started talking. Again, how they started talking doesn't come up. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we started talking. That's like, oh, okay. Um, but she does you know, have to talk about how turned on she makes her. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. weird. She very graphic. There was very graphic description about how turned on he makes her. Oh, so gosh. back at the salon, um, Vernika is talking about how they communicate six to eight times a day and how he's been in jail four years for robbery, but she's never met him in person. And she's, but despite that, she's going to move her and her two kids to Atlanta to be near him once he gets out. The plan is for her to take care of him for the first four months or so, much like he's been, she's been taking care of him to the tune of about $2,500 a month right now. So the salon over owner literally starts waving like pretend red flags at her. <laughs> like this guy has nothing to do but pretend for her to get money. How do you know he's serious? But Bernica's like, I know because I know. It's just – it's what I know. Um, so later on we see her having a meal with her father Robert who doesn't know anything about Asante or her move to Atlanta. So she drops both of those on him and how she's moving in a few days and she's getting pretty serious about this guy. So he's confused because he thought they were working on their relationship together and repairing things. And now she's just going out to live live with some convict. So she reminds him that you're also a convict, dad. Um, He was locked up for 18 years for drug trafficking. So he kind of knows what's up with that. He feels bad about not being there for most of her childhood. And he warns her that a lot of guys in prison are very good at selling dreams. But mostly he seems to be upset that he's going to see less of her and less of his grandkids. So even though – but he does acknowledge that that's kind of his fault. So he wants her to just think about things and she tells him, I already have and I'm very confident in Asante. So maybe you missed why she has such faith in this guy because I had nothing. Like, what has he done at all? I have no idea. Um, But at the same time, I feel like she what's kind of nice about, you know, her sharing her money situation is she doesn't really need him. But the thing that concerns me (sighs) is like her willingness to like move her children to be with him. It's like, uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also don't know how well the money that she's bringing in ports in Atlanta. Hmm. Like, do you have the connections? Do you have people you can put these machines in? Oh, I know. Right. Like, are are you going to be, are you, do you know you're going to be able to make as much, as much money on these machines? Because 20,000 per year per machine, that seems like you got it in pretty prime locations, right? You're doing pretty well on these machines. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Yeah, because someone has to be there periodically to refill these things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, who's doing that? Right. I guess in theory, if you're bringing in, 
I say that much money, but it's not that much money considering like, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you say it's five machines, it's 20,000 a year. It's like, oh, you bring in a hundred thousand. Well, is that gross? Is that yeah. net? Right. Is that, and then even if it is net, even if you're making a hundred thousand, not like you're, you know, spending 50,000 on eyelashes for each one and making a hundred, uh, you know what it is. Is it, if it's net, it's still like, okay, well, you still have to, you have insurance to deal with. You have all the things, you have your taxes that you're paying. Like, I don't know that she is quite doing as well as she wants us to think by flashing those, oh, six hundred thousand dollars which is like, yeah. Pre-tax. Well, I mean, at the same time, that's $100,000 of passive income, right? Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, assuming she's – and you're right. She could have other work that she does yeah. in the meantime. And it, and if she does, if she does have other jobs, I could see taking a chunk of that and paying somebody to go around and, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I'll give you 10% if you go around and change, change them out. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. But I don't know. We didn't – I mean, we saw – a little bit of Asante, but not much, right? He was like, yeah, yeah just it, it. This one just seems very familiar, right? It's like I feel like we've seen a lot of these beats before, so I'm yeah. curious as to what the uh, what the big twist is going to be right. down the road. Well, speaking of boss babes, we've got <laughs> oh <my God>. Letitia. <laughs> So, Letitia, she's a single mom. She's getting her girls ready for the day, which includes the younger one just dropping her egg on the floor and just leaving it there. And when mom asks her what she's eating for breakfast, she's like, my egg is on the floor. Waffles on the floor. It's like, are you going to pick that up? Even though she considers herself herself a single mom, she actually has a husband, Keith, which, by the way, I thought she kept on saying Keeb like the entire time. (laughs) And I was like, when I finally saw it written, I was like, Keith? That's not what I thought she was saying. Anyways, she thinks all her other boyfriends have been losers, but this guy has gold teeth. So that's a panty dropper. He's currently in federal prison. He met Letitia through his friend's cousin, and he says that he fell hard fast. Keeb proposed to her over the phone when she was in the Walgreens parking lot. They soon got married in prison. Thankfully, Letitia was able to check out the goods, and she was happy to find that Keeb was packing because she can't imagine being married to a man only to find out he had a small dick. Keeb has been spoiling her with little gifts. Uh, Letitia owns a business of tax accounting services. She calls all her employees in for a meeting because she wants to let them know that Keeb will be managing them remotely, meaning from behind bars. All her employees look very unhappy, and Letitia mm-hmm. calls out one, specifically Tasia, for giving side-eye. Letitia mm-hmm. says that if anyone has a problem with this, that they can resign. Letitia tries to sell everyone on this whole idea by saying her husband can help recruit prisoner clients. You know, people who make 19, 27 cents an hour. Yeah, have very, very difficult, like, you know, investment things that right. are tangled up in lots yeah. of taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She also <laughs> thinks her husband must be business minded if he's selling drugs to provide for his family, which is what he's in prison for. Letitia says that if they fall in line, there won't be any problems. Later, she's out with the same co-workers drinking martinis and shots because she's trying to, like, cheer them up after this somewhat devastating news. Tasia, the person who was giving side-eye before, then drops the bomb that actually another co-worker there and Keith used to date. So Letitia asks if they've slept together and the co-worker just kind of stares down at the bar trying not to smile. So... Mm-hmm. 
that was our cliffhanger here, but uh, small world that one of her employees, unless, you know, well, I guess they did meet through her cousin. So Yeah. I yeah. guess the, the, I assume the employee met him the same ish way. Yeah, through the yeah. same person. But my real question is why do you think Letitia, you know, is pushing her husband to be a boss man, you know? And if you were working there, would you just be like, peace, I'm out? I would be very much looking for another job. Very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wouldn't quit right there because I'm not going to quit without another job lined up, but I'm right. 100% looking for another job. Like, and it's not even, it's, it's not necessarily even because he's in prison. If I had a small, if I worked for a small business and I had a person I trusted that was in charge or whatever, and we were doing our thing and they just were like, here's a person you've never met before. They're your boss. Why are they your boss? Because they're my husband. I'd be like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> right. Like, nope. I'm not. Just, and because it. Because even like she's like offended at like their very valid concerns of like, why does he have any experience doing taxes at all? Like, <laughs> does he have, what is he bringing to this at all? Like at all? Like and, and her answer is, well, you know, tax returns from prisoners. And you're like. What? That He's business minded because of all his drug selling. Yes, yes. <laughs> what is he bringing to the table here? Uh, the easiest taxes on the planet. Right. And. um drug dealing <laughs> the knowledge of the drug dealing business and I'm like right. oh this is because my my thought on that part anybody who brings in their husband to just be my boss i'm yeah. like nope peace out yeah um but the fact that they're bringing in a convicted drug dealer because he knows the business of drug dealing i'm like this job is going to land me in jail now. Like, right. We're, that's, that makes it sound like our business is now money laundering for right. drugs. Right. That's like, exactly what I was thinking. I was like, okay, so we're changing our business model now to launder money? Yeah. And I'm like, no. I'm, 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 if that's what you're selling me on is why this person should be managing me from prison? No. Yeah, <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, it's like all got to be part of production, right? She can't legitimately think that. Okay, I should say this. She can't be as successful as she's portraying herself to be and be think legitimately think that this is a good idea. I mean, people think things are good ideas that are not. What I'm thinking of, I don't know if you ever – you know anything about the um, – like Elizabeth Holmes and uh, oh yeah, yeah, like that. And she brought her boyfriend. This is my Indian boyfriend. That's here. He's in charge now. Like, and he was like, "We're gonna just fake everything." And everybody's like, "Okay." Like, people do bring in their right. like get enamored with their husbands and significant others, and are like, "They're geniuses." You know what they should do? Help me run my business. And oh like, my goodness! No, you're, this is awful. Yeah. Like nepotism is very much a thing. Oh, it for sure it's is. Not just, it's not just. I worked kids for either. a company right out of college, and it was a very, very small company, like less than fifteen employees. And uh, my boss was the owner's son. And I just remember thinking, like, this guy knows nothing. It's like, and I, I'm not as cocky enough to think that, like, I knew everything because I didn't. I was just out of college. But I knew enough to know that he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's it's nuts. And let, let alone, like, I don't know, we have to, I don't know, we have to hear about, like, you know, the employees having sex and we with his apparently, you know, big enough dick because that's important. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> apparently mean, he's like, not the only one who's seen it. 
Or I she know. Isn't. That's what I was like. <laughs> oh no, was she satisfied with his with his? Because it, it it didn't even sound like they, um, like had sex when she oh, did no. that. She was she just, just like, got a we're going back, look, and I need to see how big your dick is. Feel. Like, like, and I'm like, so I, I have like I have questions about it. Like, was it even hard? Like, what do you like? Did you know? Like, because it, 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 there's only so much you can tell from from, from something, and it's like. I don't know. There's also other more important things about even part of being intimate than like, okay, it's sufficiently big enough. We're good. And it's like, yeah. Eh. yeah. All right. So that brings us to the people who are in it the most, and that is Jade and Chris. So you meet Jade, who is a 33-year-old, and this is what it said on her card, yep. social media influencer. Annoying. From Naples, Florida. And she's getting a call from her incarcerated husband, Chris, who is 38. So it's uh, her sister Jess's birthday, and Jade is wearing the jewelry Chris got her for the party. So the party hasn't started yet, and so she's just there getting things ready with her mother, Maritza. So she tells us that she wasn't looking for love, but I don't know, I was just bored and started a prison pen pal thing. Again, really not much of an explanation, but fell in love with this. It wasn't trying to fall in love, but I fell in love with this sexy guy anyway. So they ended up getting married within seven months of meeting. They hang up and then, um, you know, that's when, you know, Jade starts telling us about her and her sisters and how they call themselves the Jardashians. Oh, like, gosh. Oh, my God. These people are the worst already. <laughs> um and it's like that's a very on the nose character note. So anyway, bef- anyway, before long, people start to show up for the party, and they notice her new expensive couch. You know, so we've already had the jewelry that she's cooking with jewelry on, <laughs> yeah. and then a nice new expensive couch that Chris bought. And that's when Jade tells us that Chris has about uh, ten to th- ten to twelve thousand dollars a month just passively coming in from his stake in, in a native Native American casino venture. Yeah. So he says he she says he is like registered with a nation but doesn't say which one. So but again, 10 to 12,000 a month is giving us, you know, 100 $140,000 a year and she seems to be spending all of that. <laughs> like like they show us the big camping trailer they have, the pool with like an indoor like screened in like area and the first of a girlfriend show up and play along, kind of being like, ooh, tell us about it. But they ask, like, well, if he's so loaded, why was he stealing things? Because that's what he's in jail for. And the answer, of course, as always, is drugs. So he broke into somebody's house to get meth money. And since he was a seven-time offender, his yeah. current sentence is 32 years. Although he's eligible for parole in 2024. So she literally says she's not worried about any of that, though, because I can change him. So finally, Jess shows up. It's her birthday, and they all have some champagne. And while the full-size cutout, they put a full-size cutout of Chris on a Roomba so it can roll around <laughs> and be at the party. And all the while, they show us his her her phone, which has, you know, ignored calls from him. So, oh, and this is also when she, like, pulls down her pants to show us that his name is tattooed on her butt. Oh, goodness. Which is in the middle of the party. So Jess says that Jade and Chris really seem to care about each other, but worries about Chris's jealous streak, which we get to see almost immediately when he calls again, and she does answer this time. So he's very upset that she didn't pick up the phone earlier. It's not that hard. Just pick up the phone. And maybe you've been drinking too much if you're, you can't even pick up the phone. 
And then so she doesn't want to listen to this. She kind of hangs up on him. So now that that call happened in front of everyone at the party, he calls straight back and she doesn't answer. They ask Maritza and she thinks that Jade and Chris is a toxic relationship. Is it? They ask her if it's a toxic relationship and she says yes. And then after a round of fireball shots, um, we see Chris talking about how his uh, mother ruined all of his trust in women because, you know, his mother was kind of absentee. She didn't take care of her thing. And that just shows him how shitty women are. So he keeps calling and she keeps not answering. And Jess says that this is Jess. So again, this is the sister Jess says that this is pretty much the pattern. Whenever Jade wants to do anything for herself, even things that he encouraged her to do, he just ruins it by calling a million times during the middle of it. And when she doesn't pick up, he calls her friends, which happens right now. Like literally everybody at the party is just like one at a time being like, oh, he's calling me now. Oh, he's calling me now. <laughs> it's really not good. Um, so Jess says that if that she thinks if Chris wasn't as loaded as he is, Jay would have dipped out of this relationship a long time ago. So him calling her contact, all of the contacts on her, on her list is really stressing her out. And Jess says that if, you know, it's going to be like this when she gets out, it's going to be pretty bad. Because she's very protective, Jess does. The sister says she's going to pull Jade out of this relationship if things stay this crazy. So then Jess, the protective sister, is mad enough that she like punches the cutout and falls off into the pool. <laughs> so kind of some foreshadowing there. Um, I don't know. So like... <laughs> on a level of, I'm trying to think of what the rating scale of Love After Lockup is, but how crazy is the um, jealousy already here that we've seen? Uh, I don't know. We usually don't see it as much from the person in prison, right? Right. Uh, yeah, that's true. Usually it's the other way around. And at this phase of it, there really isn't a lot of it because what are you going to get jealous at if they're surrounded by, you know other prisoners right that's the pattern is the people tend to choose a partner that's in prison because right. they're super jealous and like the idea that they can't do anything yes right. so it is weird that chris is like this i don't know to me it's like jealousy and controlling right mm -hmm. he needs to know where she is at all times and when he's not like or when he's not she's not answering it's like then he's freaking out because he's losing control over the situation so i mean this isn't I would say super typical. Um, so I guess that would put it on the extreme of jealous that we've seen. Uh, the only situation that I could see that the partner was very. No, I can't. I, I was thinking um, Josh and Heather, but it was actually mm -hmm. the other way around. I forgot she wasn't the prisoner. He was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was so much worse than him. And you forget that yeah. she was the one that was out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's its totally not. Because it's one of those things, too, that is just like, he knows she's having a party yeah. at this very moment. Like, it's not just that he calls a lot. It's that he calls when she when he knows that she's doing stuff. Right, and right. And then gets mad, like, not just a little mad, not just disappointed. Like, why don't you even have a phone if you're going to pick it up? Yeah. Like, mad at her when and she's literally in the middle of a party. And I think Jess is right. Sometimes it's stuff that, like, He's like, oh, why don't you go out and have a night with the girls? And she's like, oh, great. That sounds fantastic. And then he just calls a thousand times in the middle of it. Yeah. You're like, what? What is going on? But I don't know. What do you think about the if – I mean, well, we don't know her that well. But 
Do you think the money is the reason she's in it? (laughs) For sure. I mean, I think it's also, you know, I think there's a lot of things, right? At this point, there's probably more involved because she's trying to be a social media influencer. She's on the show. Score for Mm her, right? Um, And then in addition to that, he's a good looking guy. That's someone who like would go with an image or brand that she's probably into, you know, and but in terms of like dealing with all this shenanigans, I don't know. I, I do think she's sticking around because of the money. Yeah. I mean, this is also another one of the situations where it's certainly a good chunk of money. Like, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say oh, it's not no, a good chunk of money. that's nice money. Yeah. But assuming that since she's social media influencer, she's mm-hmm. bringing in approximately zero dollars. Right. Right. Yeah. That it's. It's one of those amounts of money that is a very nice amount of money, but not a I drive Lamborghinis and can spend all the money and I don't have to worry about money anymore money. And I think she is at least trying to put the picture forward of someone who doesn't need to care about money. I just get the nicest things for me. And I think he's I I really do think she's spending all of it. (laughs) Yeah, because I was going to say it's easy when he's making the money but can't spend any of it because he's in prison. Right, so right, right. She gets it's only supporting to spend one person's crazy, like, yeah, but crazy yeah. things lifestyle. Like, because, yeah, he's going to want his King Ranch when he gets out of that house. Like, yeah. It'll be interesting because this is love during lockup, right? So right. we won't necessarily get to see him on the other side. Well, we know we won't because she said he won't get out until 2024. Yeah, so... So it doesn't matter when it was filmed, it's still going to be in the future when he gets out. It's the future from right now. Yeah, so I don't know. I I think their story would be very interesting to see if it was love after lockup, right? Because I think it would be interesting to see how he is in real life. Is he worse than this? Mm -hmm. Or does he mellow out more because he... I feel like they would just be super codependent. He would just never leave her side if he really felt that uh, jealousy. Yeah, yeah. He would just be there all the time. Yeah. He would just constantly be at her side. Yeah. Um, And if if you're making enough money to comfortably live without actually having to work, that's something you can manage is always be there. there. But I don't know. I think then that would be a problem for her. Yeah. Like I kind of – I get the impression with her social media influencer – that she really likes, that she gets all of his money coming in and doesn't actually have to be with the partner all the time. Right, that, exactly. That very much it's changes. like win-win for her. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. That was everybody. Yep, that we saw at least this week. Uh, do you know if we have any more? I'm sure there are more, but I don't know who. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't I seen a trailer for this because I don't actually watch this channel other than this show. So 100%. Yeah, I yeah. didn't I didn't even know it was on last Friday except for I put on my like I turned on my YouTube TV and was like, "Oh, look, there's a, right. a lockup from Zoom right. recording." Look at that. Uh, okay, so out of this group, who was your student of the week? Um, I'm I'm oh geez, this was so hard because they were all either we didn't see them or they were yeah. Awful. I yeah. mean, so I, I guess Andy. I was like, gonna go with Andy too. He was the least offensive of anyone. Yeah, I, I appreciated that he was upfront about it. Like at first, he was like, "I was curious." Like those people were just like curious, but then he was like, "Yeah," and I was lonely. It's like, yeah. okay, there we go. The truth, Andy. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, and yeah, there's, I mean, there's a few obviously, you know, yellow flags coming up, but he seemed to understand that she has a past, not be, you know, be on guard about it, but not like hold it over her. Um, right. He seems ready for it. So, yeah, I guess him. Yeah. Um, okay, so, what about your dunce? Um, I'm going to say Letitia. Yeah. Like, that nonsense of like, not just bringing, I mean, because I think it's you generally a bad idea in right. all walks to bring your significant other into your business as well. Like, is probably not great, but to do that to your employees, I'm like, oh, no, man, that's not, yeah, that's awful. I actually we're on the same wavelength then because I also said Leticia. Although I would say uh, Chris definitely gets honorable mention for like showing his crazy pretty early on out the gate. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, so um, we will be back same time next week and with the same group. Oh, life lessons. You've got life lessons. Life lessons. Oh, life lessons. Oh, what am I doing? <laughs> it's been that long. <laughs> right. All right. Um, so I, I don't know. I guess, I guess it, this is also a tough one to come up with because we didn't see people doing things, you know, straight on out. But I would be – I mean, I guess for the both of them because I kind of mentioned it twice is the – be careful with thinking – because it sounds like a lot of money, that it's unlimited money, yep. right? And that's true for both Jade and um, for um, Renika. They're both like, well, I make enough money, so I can do whatever I want on this. Right. And it's like, mm, I don't know if you really can't do that. Yeah. Um, be careful. Uh, my life lesson is for Andy. Uh, the laws of attraction are not a real law. Um, so you shouldn't just uh, ignore everything else because you're attracted to someone. Yes. Well, I mean, at the end, because that wasn't even, um, oh, but I love them. And why do you love them? Because I love them. It was, he was right. literally like, but she's, she's, she's hot. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we can close. Uh, yes. So we will be back uh, this time next week. Not this time no, next week. We'll be time earlier. Next week. Yes, we will yeah. be earlier next week. Yeah, today sure. was a random thing because I was out of town and uh, we had logistics stuff for yesterday. So uh, next week we'll be back on Monday. Yes. Monday's our normal time for this channel. Yep, yep. We will see everybody okay. then. So until okay. then. All right. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.